This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Signals from the Frontline. Every Wednesday, not so live cast this week, but usually live cast. You can catch us on Twitch at 11 a.m. Pacific Center Time, Frontline Gaming underscore TV. But uh, last week and this week, it's audio only. If you hear the banging, the buzzing, and the cutting of the saws and the hammering of the nails in the background, that's because Frankie and his brother Eddie are building some very cool custom terrain transportation systems for the Las Vegas Open out in the yard behind our brand new shop here in Boulder City, Nevada. I'm your host, Mr. Reese Reesius Robbins, and with me, the one, the only, the endangered rhino. And it's actually a monument to Reese. It's uh, Reese in a man bikini statue is what they're actually building. Is it? I, I, that's what it looked like to me. I, I don't know. I let's, might be wrong. Let's do Reese circa 2004 when I was ripped and not Reese circa uh, 2020 when I'm working on a beer gut. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's Reese in his mid-20s. Perfect. Perfect. Back when I was yoked. That's, that's the way I want to be remembered. <laughs> not to hobbling around like I am now with my knee injury, which uh, thank you to the fine state of Nevada. I got some insurance. I'm going to go get that, try and get that taken care of. Mm. But uh, yeah, uh, Frankie, the, the GM Papa clan, Papa GM Papa is a carpenter by trade. And so they're all really, really handy uh, crafts people. And uh, they're out there building these very cool um, it's really neat, actually, because when you're operating at the scale that we're at for the Las Vegas Open now, it's, it's so big that getting all the stuff in and out in the f- short period of time that we have to do it is very, very challenging. Uh, and one of the, the challenges working in Vegas that you don't have for, for other events in other locations is that they're running events almost every single day of the week. Yes. So you have a time limit to get in and out. And just getting all the, the material and the personnel in and out is logistically very challenging, especially in a short period of time. So we're building these custom pallets that hold um, mats and then terrain all in one cool uh, combo, right? So we'll have like a, a map or like, okay, strike team alpha, take, <laughs> you know, pallets one through four over to sector six. And then, the, you know, it should, should make it flow very smoothly, we hope. Um, so that's what they're out there working on. If you hear the, the tools in the background, that's what that is. Yeah. And we, it's come a long way. I remember we had the, uh, large, the large, uh, with the wheels, the large wooden things with the shelves with the wheels that we had the mats in. And then they immediately collapsed. <laughs> Matt, Matt transportron version 1.0 <laughs> was awful. Did he, he was a stillbirth because <laughs> the mats weigh, you know, eight, nine pounds a pop. And when you put. You know, when you have hundreds of mats, yes. the poor, poor Matron transportation bot was carrying a couple thousand pounds and his wheels just went blop. Yeah. As soon as we so hit the funny. carpet, as soon as we hit the carpet, it just collapsed. It was uh, great. I, it was actually a little dangerous. It, it was. I, if I remember correctly, Blake from um, 
the Life After the Cover Save podcast, big, strong men held it together when it collapsed and saved my life. And that was the first time. Well, when you hear the sound of two by fours splintering, you know you've yeah. something has gone wrong. Yeah, and everybody was like, run, get away from it. So we had some big, big boys helping out there with that. But yeah, a uh, lot, lot of stuff, a lot of trial and error. Yeah, and uh, if you do want to come and help with the unload load, we are literally we re- we rely on it to get it all done. This year, this year should be a lot easier because we're going to palletize everything as much as possible. And since we're only going, you know, thirty minutes as opposed to what ends up being a seven eight hour drive with the trucks, um, we don't have to be as efficient with the way we pack the trucks. So palletizing things, which if if you're like, what the heck is he talking about? Uh, when freight comes in, it comes on a big piece of, of wood or plastic, stack it up, wrap it up. It makes it way easier. It's not as efficient uh, of a use of space, but it's infinitely easier logistically to get things in and out. And um, so we're going to be doing that and we'll just take multiple trips as opposed to trying to get everything in two big trucks, mm. right? Like it'll, it, we'll just do shuttle it back and forth so we don't have to be as efficient and it's just way easier. Right. So there'll be a lot less, you know, carrying onesies and twosies. We're, we're going to put everything on pallets, hopefully. Well, so if you want to come and help, please do. We would mega appreciate it. But we'll be setting up all day Thursday and then Sunday night after the event will be breaking down. Um, super duper appreciate uh, that. And if you're a, lo- a Las Vegas local and you'd like to really help out, um, please reach out, uh, contact at frontlinegaming.org. And we'll be offering up some compensation for people that are locals that can really come and help load the trucks and all that stuff. Absolutely. Now that we've satisfied all the aspiring truck drivers and warehouse workers who listen to our podcast. And you know what? God bless all of you. Right? Yes, absolutely. You guys, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Oh, no. <laughs> so a lot of people that have a background like me, uh, well, I used to be a Teamster, so I actually, I did this uh, intimately, but a lot of people who work in sort of like white collar desk job America really do not understand what is involved. Like a truck driver is a high skilled job. Yeah. Like seeing these guys back in a big rig into the spaces, like it's seriously in, it's impressive. Like yes. those guys have a skill set that if you took any normal person and threw them into it, they would have no clue they would be literally unable to do what they do. So tip your hat to those guys. They work hard and it's a tough job and it takes a lot of knowledge to, to, to do it correctly. Um, I have a lot of respect for it. Same with forklift operators. That's what I used to do. It's way more difficult than you would think it is. Yeah. If you think it's not difficult, go on uh, the internet and look at forklift driving accidents. Ooh, the guy that taught my for- forklift safety class I swear to I swear to the emperor, it was like that scene in Starship Troopers when he's like, I'm joining the mobile infantry. And the guy has like one arm. And he's like, good for you, kid. Mobile infantry made me the man I am. And he's like, oh, God. The guy who taught my class had one arm and one leg. Oh, man. And he was like, I'm here to teach you about forklift safety because I didn't pay very good attention. And I was oh. like, oh. Pay attention. Pay attention. <laughs> I was like, what am I getting myself into here? But I helped pay for my college education. Fifteen fifty an hour back when I was in college wow. was That's serious cash, cash, dude. That's still yeah. serious cash. Twenty one, uh, twenty one fifty overtime. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's amazing. And then if you went double time, which is really unhel- like unsafe, but it was, it was the, uh, I think you had to go twenty four hours to get 
it was like 18 hours or something like that to get double time. To live at the, the, the warehouse. Yeah, yeah, and then everyone that, you know, they just a coffee IV bag at that point to stay awake. So at any rate, enough of that. Let's start talking about what's new and cool in tabletop gaming. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies at a discount all the days of the week. We got mats, we got ITC Terrain, we got Games Workshop product, we got all kinds of cool stuff for all of our current, future, and past customers. A sincere thank you, because without you, we would not exist. Also, check out the Frontline Gaming Network. We have four high-quality podcasts brought to you every single week. Stat Center, Chapter Tactics, The Art of War, and of course, Signals. Pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump in. What's new and cool in the Games Workshop hobby this week? Well, we got a new ritual, a new Psychic Awakening Ritual of the Damned on the way, and it's got a lot of people really excited. There's some cool stuff. Some of the kind of the more maligned redheaded stepchildren of the 40K <laughs> meta currently are getting significant boosts. Let's take a look at what they've previewed so far. Pablo, have you had a chance to review these? I have not, actually. I've been very busy getting ready for the LVO. As have we all. Yeah, so unfortunately I haven't. But I've heard uh, through the grapevines uh, some people's gripes and things that they like, gripes and likes, so to speak, of what's what's going on. Gripes and grapes. Gripes and grapes. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> Is it a grape or a gripe? So uh, I will say, obviously, um, I... I don't have perfect recollection of everything in it because we worked on this quite a long time ago, but my what I do remember most clearly, and we'll go through what GW has previewed, I was really, really hoping this book would make the cutoff for the LVO because Grey Knights come out of this smelling like roses. Between chapter approved, giving them very aggressive points reductions, and the buffs that they get in this book, Grey Knights are going to go from zero to hero, in my opinion. Like Overnight, they get really, really strong. Uh, so they already got a huge boost with all the points reductions. They're very good. Um, well, I'll say they're they're better. And with all the cool stuff they get in Psychic Awakening, they get some really, really strong abilities. So let's jump in and talk about some of those. So the first is very Age of Sigmar-ish, very Space Marine-y. They get uh, their choice of one of four tides, like Psychic Tides, that they get to choose to be present for the game. So these are like doctrines or something? Like doctrines. This is very, very a la Age of Sigmar. Okay. So Age of Sigmar, all the new armies have some game-wide ability like this. That they, they can, you pick one or they change or they turn by turn or whatever. Okay. That you get, this is very much in vogue with Games Workshop game design right now. So the first tide you can pick for the Grey Knights uh, tide of Fury, when this tide is dominant, when resolving an attack made by a nemesis weapon, that's your your melee weapons, you can re-roll wound rolls of one. Pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, Pretty good. If you get to pick them, that can be really useful. You do pick. So the next one, the Tide of Convergence. While this tide is dominant, add one to the strength and damage oh characteristic of psi weapons that infantry models uh, with this ability are equipped with. That, that is, is bananas. Really good. If you've ever seen psi weapon spam in 5th edition... And in some of the other Grey Knight, more powerful Grey Knight builds, um, that this is kind of an ode to that. It so is very good. If you find yourself playing against, you know, Primaris Marines or or what, or just really anything, it's good. Like they, this is so strong. And then they have psychic powers that can combo with this too. If, if, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but psi weapons are already one more strength than their their normal counterpart, right? Like auto no. Okay. So no. You're thinking of fifth edition. 
Oh, that was fifth edition. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah, that's that was Cybolt ammo. But that they still that's what it was. Okay, they still have stratagems and all kinds of stuff. Yes. They can combo in there to do other good stuff. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's that that's obviously extremely potent, right? The next one, Tide of Shadows. While this tide is dominant, dominant, a unit with this ability receives a benefit of cover, even if they're they get Raven guarded. You either get cover or you get cover and minus one to be hit. Amazing. Wow. wow. Right? Yeah. Don't wait, Paul. Uh, or wait, Pablo. It gets better. Ooh, okay. This is this is just the the. You know, this is episode six six nine. So let's just throw in all kinds of inappropriate sexual innuendos. Oh, I cannot wait for more. Reese. This is just the tip of the spear. Mm. <laughs> tip of the nemesis force spear. Okay. Well, I'm really tickling, extra excited. You're tickling my for- my nemesis warding staff. All right, the next one, Tide of Escalation. While this Tide is dominant, when a unit with this ability uh, and the and the Rites of Banishment ability manifests Smite, the power inflicts one additional mortal wound. That is ridiculously oh my good. God. That's stupid. You're doubling <coughs> your Psychic Smite spam damage output. They, they, and their Smites aren't um, limited, right? Or not limited. They, they don't increase the number of... But they only do one damage, typically. But this is two more. This is ludicrous. You could already make a gray knight army that put out a ton of mortal wounds because every single unit is a psyker and now you can uh increase it so it's it's significant and there's also ways to that's really it's really strong that is really really if you get like six strike squads they're doing 12 mortal wounds with their oh dude at 12 six inches. six oh you're right well i was thinking you think it's small here buddy <laughs> the strike squads are barely more than like they're like super cheap now Oh, that's so true. you take like twenty. That's true. And then they each have a storm bolter, and they each oh, have a, a nemesis force weapon. Yeah, yeah. Dude, green knights are going to be balling out of control. That's why I was hoping that they made the cut. Mm. Um, so here's another one. Uh, this is an amazing psychic power. Warp charge seven. Get a command point. Simple. I love it. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna. I think you're gonna be seeing like double, triple battalion. Uh, oh yeah, Grey yeah. with that power alone, you already want Grey Knight librarians in your in your list, um, just for that one power. All right, here's a uh, a stratagem one CP, and I, I agree with you, buddy. Uh, use a stratagem in your psychic phase after a Grey Knight psyker uh, unit from your army has manifested a psychic power until the end of that phase. When a psychic test is taken for a friendly Grey Knight psyker within six inches, add oh one. My God, yeah, it, it, and it, we keep going. It keeps getting better. So for one CP, your Grey Knight librarian. That just gave you one CP, that one CP back, by the way. Uh, so it's almost for free. So all your smites are going to be very easy to get off. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then you just... And then you're just blasting uh, people. Bomb. Ooh, yeah. speaking of blasting people, let's talk about the Staff of Supremacy. This is a very appropriate relic for episode 669. Yeah. Because, I mean, I like to imagine we all would choose the staff of supremacy Especially if we could our bdc bdsm you know fantasies and all that that's a little bit on the nose but okay we'll roll uh, when you're fighting slanesh you gotta have this yeah absolutely you know top or bottom a you choose <laughs> slanesh is as as happy either way though <laughs> all right uh model with a nemesis warding staff only when a psychic test is taken for an enemy model within 18 inches of a model with this relic they perils on any doubles again that's, that's pretty good fantastic that's pretty good that's it's more situational mm-hmm. but like when you're playing eldar or well eldar less so because of the their psychic defense but um you know any other psychic army another gray knight army 
This is very good. Yeah, and you can give this to a model that can deep strike, which I think is really cool. Yeah. You can stick them in the middle of your opponent's zone. They'll probably die, but you can take some smites with you or some uh, other characters with you, which is pretty powerful. Well, you you, you change the math on apparels uh, from uh, it's one in from if, what is it one in twelve if you have if yeah, it's on it's like yeah one in twelve I believe so is that right no it's, no, no, it's one in eighteen two in twelve one in six it's one in eighteen I believe because it's two or it's box cars or snake or, eyes yeah it's it's one in eighteen so you go to to one in six okay well, with this good. yeah um, yeah two options out of thirty six is one in eighteen right yeah Whew. Uh, I should know that like the back of my I'm hand bad, but I'm bad at math so. Well, it's, you just have to memorize the bell curve of um, the probability of 2d6. There's, there's 36 options. Okay. <laughs> Professor Robbins. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, it changes, it, it changes it to one in six because there's, there's six combinations of dice that are a double out of 36 potential uh, uh, possibilities. So it dramatically increases the odds of apparels. Okay. Uh, it's really quite good. Um uh, let's go and go to awesome. uh, you skipped one. Yeah, the oh. rec- recitation of projection. Oh, this one's phenomenal. It's a great name too. This litany is inspiring. Select one friendly gray knights unit within six inches of this model. Add six to the range characteristic of bolt weapons and psi weapon models that in that unit are equipped with. Yeah, so they get plus six inch range. Right. So really good. So when you've got your uh, uh, Gatling psi McDoodley bobber, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> That's uh, this plus one. Right. This plus one strength and damage, and also plus six inches range. That's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, let's take a look at uh, Thousand Suns. Another kind of maligned um, uh, uh, faction. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Indeed. But uh, you don't see them very often. And when you do, it's typically just Aramon and or Magnus. Uh, maybe some zangers. That's really yeah. all you see. Yeah, their their role actually the past couple of years um, is has been the kind of uh, foil to some of the top lists. They were one of the notoriously known for one as being one of the few factions that had a winning record against the Castellan list and Inari. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> in the last couple of years, um, but they're always you know the always the bridesmaids, never the bride. Um, even though they had a good winning record against that, they had a terrible record against a lot of other <laughs> matchups. They've, they've rarely been good. It's very difficult to make elite armies function. Um, yes. it, ju- it just is, especially when you're only using a D6 as a, 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 a variable number generator. But um, what the avenue they're taking with this one is that there's different sub-factions of um, Thousand Suns based on different like you know schools of study or magic or whatever. That makes sense. So the first one is for the Cult of Time. Um, time flux is a warp charge value of five. Select a one friendly cult of time infantry unit within six inches of the psyker. You can return one destroyed model to the unit. If you roll a nine or better, you can re- return D3 destroyed models. So this makes taking things like rubric terminators and scarab occult terminator or whatever. I can't remember all the names. Rubric, the rubric K duders. It makes them more appealing because you can bring them back. And if you roll a nine plus, you return up to D3 destroyed right. models. Yeah. So that's a, a big unit of uh, Scarab Occult Terminators that are already kind of durable. Yeah, good. they're actually pretty good. And um, as I've always, as I've been saying, if you're a Space Marine player and you're not taking Apothecary, you should. Um, I've been playing Space Marines pretty much the entirety of 8th edition. That and my guard are really what I've been playing the most. And um, the Apothecary is ridiculously good for the points. The ability to heal a unit or bring a model back is 
I, I can't underscore how, how useful that very, is. Very, very useful. It, it can be game changing, right? Especially like as you're taking casualties, you can be doing it every turn. This is a, a, the uh, like that, but better and more reliable yeah. for models that are typically more expensive. So this is a really good choice, in my opinion. And you're typically going to be casting it with a plus one, even plus two, in some cases, sometimes re-rolling. So it's like, it's almost a certainty that you're going to get this off. Yeah, and then shout out to the game design here. Instead of an apothecary type effect where you're healing or bringing a guy back to life, you're just flat out reversing time. So if a guy were vaporized by a LAS cannon or something, you just do a uh, quick little time flux, warp the time around that area, and then ease back to where he was. Uh, hopefully sends LAS cannon shot. Yeah. But, uh, that's I just really like that. I always like to give GW special shout outs when they do cool game design things like this. Um, but it, it does, the power does what it would describe like flux wise, which is pretty cool. It's Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then again, there's nine Colts. Of oh, Thousand Suns. Nine? Yeah. Well, that's their number is nine. So, yeah. <laughs> I think you'd run out of... Uh, Ideas, yes. Yeah, we'll see. Well, the thing is they, they stick to the fluff, right? Because they, they should. Right. But then it, in, in practice, what you end up seeing is only very few options get used. Yes. That's just the reality of it. Um, even with Space Marines, like, they're all good, but what are we seeing? We're seeing Iron Hands, Iron uh, Imperial Fist, and then a s- sprinkling of... Uh, White Scars and uh, Raven Guard. Yes. But even that's the best. That's like the most variety we've seen. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a, that's a lot of variety. <laughs> They're all good. They're all playable. I think the one we're seeing the least is Salamanders, which is interesting because uh, looking at it, I was like, if they can, if players can figure out how to deliver them, they have the most powerful combos. But apparently that hasn't happened can, yet. Players, I don't think players wanted to, or I don't think it's possible. One or the other. I think you can. I just think it's the path of least resistance is just to go Iron Hands or yes. Imperial Fist because it's just so easy. It's so e- it's so obvious what they do well. Yeah. And they start out in Devastator Doctrine and blah, blah, blah. Um, Salamanders are definitely more difficult to make them work. But if you do, I, I still feel like they're, they're, their potential is immense. Um, but eh, we'll see. Cult of Duplicity, Warlord Trait, Duplicitous Tactician... Uh, before the first turn, redeploy up to D3 units. This has been uh, so good. rehashed numerous times, and it's always good. Yep. You can fake your opponent out, especially in all-or-nothing deployment. Like, oh, I'm forcing a flank. Psych! No, I'm not. Yeah. And with the rule of three, with uh, GW's rule of three, I, I feel like that there's a little extra synergy there. So you have three of a specific powerful unit, three units of uh, aggressors, or in this case, three units of uh, cult terminators or something. Uh, you can just redeploy them and... Uh, it's essentially like you're you're picking an entire, you know, battalion or whatever firepower, all similar base, and putting them somewhere else. Um, With so. a D three though, it makes it unreliable. Oh, I, it's a D three. Yeah, I, I it's annoying. It but um, the one of my favorite trick with these because Eldar have it, and I use it. I use it all the time. Um, throw out like your best unit in the most ridiculously aggressive spot possible, and then it's like your opponent's like, oh crap. They're gonna. They have to react to him because if they don't react to him, you just leave them there and you don't don't redeploy them, and they're in a really good spot. But if they do react to him, then you redeploy them, and then you put them in a really defensive spot. So it doesn't matter if they know it's coming or not. You win either way. And I believe the redeploy also happens before or after the seize the initiative rule, but before the first game term, right? Um, at the start, before the first turn begins. Yeah, so yep. so they have acute that, so that's after the seize the initiative roll. So it's even better. That's you. So you could deploy super aggressively, 
And then if you don't get to go first, you just redeploy DP you're, units. Your opponent's like, I seized. You're like, oh, well, they're going to come back. <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, Magnus is uh, going to be all up in your grill. Yeah. First turn. It's very good. It's very good. And I feel like those those deployment ones are underrated. Like, you don't see people use them as much, but there's, their movement, as we've said a million times, is where the master wins the game of yeah. 40k. Yeah, and I know good players like Ray and Colin uh, use the Eldar one often. I use it almost every time I play. Yeah. Like, it's a core part of my deployment strategy. Yeah. Because it's just, like I said, when you do it correctly, it doesn't matter if your opponent knows it's coming or not. <laughs> That's what makes it so brilliant. Um all right, here's, uh, let's look at another one. Uh, Cult of Change, Sorceress Arcana, Capricious Crest. That's a hell of a name. Oh my gosh, these names are great. Once per turn, when a psychic test is taken for a model within 18 inches of a model with this relic, you can change the result of that psychic test as follows. You can either turn one of your ones into a six or one of your opponent's sixes into a one. Whoa, That's whoa, amazingly good. Once per turn, when a psychic test is taken for a model. With, okay, it's within 18 inches. That so is that's the limiter. balling. <laughs> That is so baller. That is really good. Wow. Yeah. You're like almost assuring that you get your power off. If your opponent rolls a six. Or crapping on one power. of your opponent's powers. Like, especially against somebody like Eldar, who re- they really need to get their key powers off, and almost all of them are a seven. This can be very beneficial for stopping uh, something important. Like, you know, I... I Quicken or you know whatever the heck the case you may be. Jinx. D, you could roll like a D twenty and and it'd probably be a good altar power. Yeah. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, here's a new stratagem: the Risen Rubrique, one CP. Use a stratagem. Oh, it lets you deep strike uh, a unit of Rubrique Marines. Obvi- very good. Yeah. That's very good. very good. Yep. Any of the deep strike, infiltrate, outflank stratagems are are, are winners. So there's the Thousand Suns again. Way more to see. That was a little a little teaser, a little tickling your fancy. Episode 669. Mm. We should have planned this out better. Every time we make a sexual innuendo, someone should have been like, 669. No, not at all. <laughs> it amuses me. It amuses me. Well, duh. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so uh, dark, we're moving on to the Dark Angels next. Now... I, this is where I've heard the most gripes uh, from uh, not just Dark Angels players, but pay- players trying to look into playing Dark Angels. So I'm interested to see w- what's going on here because they just announced the Dark Angels stuff as, as far as I can, uh, as I understand, right? It was just a couple days ago. It was this morning. This morning, yeah. Even, even, but um, uh, So I've, I've heard, from what I've heard, uh, there's been a lot of griping about Dark Angels. Um, what kind of griping, Pablo? Uh, like like the kind of griping that tickles you <laughs> in your special spots. Yeah. If you're if you're or the kind of griping where your special spot didn't get tickled <laughs> is an unhappy ending. Either way. But just remember, everybody that's griping, uh, you're only seeing a little a smattering of what you're going to get. Uh, you can assume that you're going to get the same treatment the Blood Angels did. Perhaps in regards to power that's going to vary by the person looking at it. But in regards to volume of stuff, I think you can expect that. Uh, that would be a logical assumption. Um, and then the, the ones that they choose for these articles, you got to remember the art, the author of the article just picked ones and wrote about them. It doesn't mean this is giving you the full picture. So, you know, bear- I, I have wondered, I, I have wondered how they pick, you know, I don't know exactly how they do it, obviously, but I'm sure that the person assigned to write this article opened the book, looked at it, and go, these look cool, I'm writing about them. Hmm. Right? Like, 
the CEO isn't going to go write him a memo about what to cover in these things. They, look at the amount of content they put out. That's true. So yeah, just you know, just roll with it, baby. Come then, on. Then the person writing the GW articles, if you're listening to this, could you stop teasing special power swords for space marine factions? No. That is it. That's no, all lieutenants and power swords. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, let's talk about the first Dark Angels thing. Emnity's Edge. Well, first of all, it's a new character, which is very cool. His name is Lazarus, which is neat. Oh, okay. All He's right. a, a first ever Primaris member of the inner circle of the Dark Angels, oh, which is a big guy. deal. Yeah, so this is cool. This is yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. This is his special sword. I wish, instead of doing this, I liked what they did with Ultramarines where they Primarist existing characters instead of coming out with new characters. I like that more. I would have preferred a Primaris Azriel or Ezekiel over uh, this Lazarus dude. But that goes against the Flufferies. Well, they all could the, pass the, prim- the, what is it, the, the, the Rubricon Primaris. Primaris, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's cool. Like, I, whatever. I'm sure they'll get around to it eventually, but... <laughs> but uh this Lazarus fellow is really good actually. Um his his power sword is whatever but who that's not why you take him. No. So the it's anemone's edge it's a it's strength users or I'm sorry strength plus 2 AP4 D3 damage. If you're attacking a psycho you can reroll the wound roll whatever. It's fine. It's not that it's not good it's not bad it's middle. Yep. But what you take him for is the spirit shield helm which is a 6 inch uh 5 up feel no pain bubble. That's Really good, wow. especially if you combine it with Azriel's six inch four up, or is it still four up or is it a five up in save now? You know, I don't know. I can't I remember. Play Dark Angels. Basically, you can give everybody around these two jokers uh, in save and feel no pain. That's obviously very good. Now, this applies to any Dark Angels unit. So you can give your Land Raider a five up feel no pain. Mm. Uh, you could give your Land Raider Crusader. A five uh, up feel no pain. I feel like the Redeemer is getting left out here, buddy. The Land Raider Redeemer could definitely get a five up. Oh, don't forget about those Forge World Land Raiders. The Land Raider Achilles, Helios, yes. Hyperios, Prometheus. I don't know. But then the one did get Legend. It's funny, uh, the the Frankie and I got the box set with the... the oh, the, yeah, the Grav tank. The Grav the, Land Raider and, and the, Rhino. The Command Rhino. Yeah. And they, they gave it to us like years ago for helping out with... Something I haven't even put them together yet, and they've already been legends. <laughs> Congratulations! By the way, you can never use these. Damn it! <laughs> so I don't know what I'm going to do with those. I'm like, kind of bummed about the Imperial Space Marine. Do you remember that? I that? hated. That was the dumbest. God, that was dumb. That was seventh edition, and everyone wanted to use it, and we were like, "Get the fuck yeah, get so out of here with this!" Who, there's a lot of you who are new to eighth edition who completely skipped seventh edition. There was a model that GW pulled out called the Imperial Space Marine, and this was an the anniversary model. Imperial Space yeah, Marine, an anniversary model uh, for Space Marine players only. It had broken rules. It could kill instant kill units. It had sudden death on its uh, on its bolter, bolter and its, its bolt bolter pistol and its bolt pistol. Um, he, he randomly punched harder than like a chapter master. Yeah, it yeah. was so stupid. And, and he was like 16 this. points. No, no, no. He was free. You replaced him with one Marine in a unit. That's right. So so you could take a unit of five tactical Marines and one of them would be uh, an Imperial Space Marine. Yeah, and we were like, no. It's completely free. No, you can't use this. This is an idiotic. And everyone's like, I bought it. They're like, the GW released the, and it was intended for the rules and the game yeah. was designed to like, no, like this and it was is, only for Space Marine players. This is so. absurd. Yeah. <laughs> God, that was so... I, I remember the hype behind him. That was so dumb. Yeah. Ugh. I still have mine. Yeah. 
And, you know, and then they, to make it even worse, it was like a $40 Marine or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So people were extra and, pissed. And they limited it to like like 2000 or something. Yeah, like you had to go to a Games Workshop to get it. Yeah, it was, the whole thing was such a pain in our butt. Now what they would do is say like for, for like narrative or open play, here's the Imperial Space Marine for match play, no dice. Yeah. I would hope that's what they would do. Yes, that's. I'm sure that's what they'll do. All right, well, let's take a look at uh, Relentless Hunt. This is their... Um, and when they're in the Devastator Doctrine, so obviously you're getting Doctrines. Uh, Dark Angels, uh, the range of all heavy and rapid-fire weapons are increased by 6 inches, and pistol and assault weapons increased by 3 inches. This is, uh, it's good, but compared to the other Doctrine abilities, it, it's okay. You Are you going to tell me that this isn't on par with Iron Hands? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's no plus 1 damage range. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's still good, it's just, it's not, it's not as good as Imperial yeah. Fist or Iron Hands. Um, so I can understand how people would be complaining about that, but did you really want another Imperial Fist and Iron Hands running around? I think the game's got enough of that. I think Dark Angels players did. I think, I think Dark Angels players, out of all the players in the universe, Dark Angels players are the ones who want their faction to do the best. I think everybody wants their faction too, except, you know what? Orc players. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I've, so many times I've seen Orc players saying like, we want to be good, but not the best because then everyone will come and play it. You're like, because it's so strange. They'll play them anyways. I'm like, oh, we're uh, bad. Still speed freaks away. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want my bring back, make truck or trucks great again. What was that? Matiga? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, or- <laughs> uh, the only thing I've legitimately seen orc players gripe about remote is. No. Make orc trucks great again. Uh, anyways. Matga. So, that's my new. This my game's new too political, Reese. So what's political it's about orcs. that? It's an orc. It's the joke. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the only thing I've ever seen orc players gripe about is uh, one inch with the red, the painted red. Well, the, the thing I missed the most is that the, we, the ramshackle rule got nerfed into being almost meaningless. Like, it's like on a six, you ignore the, the you only take one damage. Like we, you, you mean you don't wish you had an extra inch in your life, Reese? Oh, of course. Who doesn't? Six, six, nine? <laughs> See, it's funny. <laughs> that was that was a, an elaborate setup just for that joke. But the, the ramshackle rule made orc trucks really viable. Yeah. Um, instead of blowing up, they would move in a random direction and then blow up and then the orcs would get out. So it, it, it was oftentimes ended up being in your benefit when someone would take out your truck. It made orc boys viable, whereas now I don't remember the last time I saw a truck on the table. You almost never do. No. Yeah. Vehicles in general struggle in this edition though. All right. Let's take a look. Stoic prosecution. This is a new, um, prayer for the dark angels chaplain. And it is while inspiring, uh, dark angels infantry units within six inches of the chaplain, um, that did not advance or fall back count as being stationary when firing their weapons. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's really good. A lot of, a lot of space Marines have this Ultramarines, uh, Imperial or iron hands can do that. Um, there's quite a few. It's very good. It's very good for, um, for double aggressor, tapping. Aggressors love this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, your aggressors could have a five up or four up invo. I can't recall. Uh, if feel no pain and double tap at full range. That's mean. That is really, that's mean. also an extra six inches. Oh, three inches to that because they're assault weapons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a three inches. Well, the flown flamers. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, for flamers it's not bad. But I mean, I, you could I, do it out of uh, a deep strike if you had some means of doing that. Yeah, but three inches has never excited me, Reese. I, I would really prefer to go for that six inches if I if I had to. Six, six, nine. <laughs> I'm rolling. I'm getting hot. <laughs> six, six, nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Outrider. So this is uh, 
a warlord trait at the start of the first battle round before the first turn begins this warlord and one other ravenwing unit from your army can move up to 12 inches as if it were your movement phase they cannot advance as part of this move which is actually contrary to a lot of other similar rules uh those units must end those moves more than nine inches away from your enemy models if both players have units you roll off all that stuff if both players have rules like this you roll off this is extremely good it's it's really good um not being able to advance is i'm is super super important because if you were able to advance some of those some of those bike units ravenwing bike units go so well then there's all kinds of goofball like other stuff you can do yeah and don't bikes move 14 inches they do so so it's also you can't move the full 14 you can only move 12 well there's there's other stratagems and stuff like if you advanced you could you know get an invul save oh yeah yeah but it's still so it's very good good. yeah Um, Especially yeah, when you, especially if you know you're going first, it's yeah. or second or whatever, it's very good. Yeah. So you get your Dark Angels Smash Captain equivalent on your bike, move well, them up with a Ravenwing unit. Well, you know what's a really good combo is um, uh, Samael in the Land Speeder with a, a Lieutenant in the Land Speeder because they make each other reroll all hits and misses and ones to wound, mm. and they each have like 18 shots. And now with Doctrines, they're going to oh, be you, uh, yeah, they have additional AP. Yeah. So it's like. That little combo is really, it was good before. And I'm sure chapter approved gave him some benefits. So now um, that little combo, it's like 36 shots, hitting on twos, re-rolling everything, wounding on threes, usually re-rolling ones. Now with additional AP, it's really devastating. Yeah, they have an extra six inch range, which which might matter. It's, yeah, no, you're right. That's yeah, that's really good because it's only twenty four inch on the assault cannons. Yeah, that oh, makes a big yeah, difference. Yeah. yeah, and then so that and you're talking about the Talon Master and yes. the Raven and the Samael. Samael. And you can give the Talon Master this Warlord trait, um, unless Samael gets it. Uh, you know, depending on the, what their name characters get. Uh, and that, that's really good. You yeah. can move Samuel and the Talonmaster 12 inches up the board or away. So it's kind of like a pseudo redeploy if you think about it like yeah. that too. Or you could do a um, you could do a Smash Captain and then a unit of Black Knights yep. who, are, who are quite good in melee and they shoot obviously very well. Um, and the extra range on units like Black Knights is, is really good because if memory serves, they're a, a rapid fire plasma weapon with 18 inch. Going up to 24 inches makes actually a really big difference. They can double tap at 12. So if you were to like outflank by some means, you'd be able to double tap more easily, et cetera, et cetera. So that's yeah. good. Uh, key of Archibald. Of Archibald. Deathwing model only. Add one to the strength and attack characteristics of a model with this relic. It's pretty good. Uh, uh, strength, an extra strength and attack, not bad. Might not be at the top of your list, but it's not bad. Yeah. So, so going back to that real quick. <clears throat> there's a fluff behind that when you're reading the fluff and it basically says uh, the the person who has this key goes into a deep hidden sanctum in the rock and uncovers this dark terrible secret that's known only to the dark angels and then with that knowledge they fight extra hard because it makes them angry with zealous fury or something that's the the fluff behind this what always bothered me about the dark angels is they had all these most a lot of relics and things like this where there's a lot of secret stuff but if we any one of us were introduced into the 40k universe you know how many like terrible secrets we know like as the as consumers like we know all about like where the emperor was born right and like how earth and the himalayans like we know so many secrets that if we were put into the 40k universe we would immediately be lobotomized into a service school and have all of our secrets extracted from us because we know so much imperial assassins would be dispatched real the instant you bumped into a psyker he'd be like oh snap but 
Like, we know, like, true names of demons and all this crazy stuff, <laughs> but they don't bother telling us what's in a dark angel sanctum on the rock that manages to piss off this one particular Deathwing captain. Well, he learned that <laughs> Brother Bobadzale one time uh, borrowed another brother's lawnmower and never returned it. That's clearly what happened. And he was like, righteous fury! fury. Anyways, that's that's something that's always kind of irked me is when is when GW chooses to keep secrets for the Dark Angels, but but they tell us all these like universe shattering. That's because secrets. they haven't decided what they are yet. No. <laughs> would be my guess. Oh, fair you enough. know what I would do if I was transported into the 40k universe with all the knowledge that we have? Yeah. Instantly, Demon Press, Demon Prince of Slanesh, six six nine. <laughs> you you would be really powerful. <laughs> You, you, you would be I'd be really, having a good time really until, you know, powerful. I got banished to the warp for 10,000 years or whatever. All right, last, 2CP, Combined Assault, Dark Angel Stratagem. Use this stratagem at the end of your movement phase when you set up a Deathwing unit from your army with using the Teleport Strike ability. You can set up with wholly within six inches of a friendly Ravenwing Biker unit that has not advanced this turn and more than six inches away from enemy models. Uh, enemy, blah, blah, blah. So this That's is really super-duper good if you play uh, Custodes. Um... The stratagem that lets you come in within three inches of enemy units and within, I think it's nine inches of the banner bearer is crazy good. Like uh, Eric Trock was using that combo in his list and he was smashing people. And when I went to LGT two years ago, I was using that combo when I went uh, undefeated. And it, I always, I, you pants people left and right right with it. Six, six, nine. <laughs> but uh, no, one expect, no one sees it coming, right? You're like, oh yeah, I'm going to come in within three inches. The thing is, is the, the banner bearer moves very slow. This is on Ravenwing bikers that could have already been in your opponent's face like instantaneously. So when you have a big unit of Deathwing Knights, which if I remember correctly, got a points drop, um, and they're, they are quite good. Yeah, oh yeah, they're great. They're quite good. Or just even Deathwing Terminators, right? You might be able to find a way to, to make that function. The fact that you could come in and then you're, only, you're making a relatively short charge and then there's all different ways to modify that. It's very, very, very strong. And on, on the Ravenwing bikers that are going to be almost wherever you want them to be um, on the turn that unit comes in, you can make this into a really strong combo. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is, this is insane. Uh, you know, you can do it if your opponent charges you or gets into your face really early. Um, sometimes that is a very key strategy. It's not very common now, um, but if your opponent does flood the board um, with a lot of bodies and gets in your face, uh, you can do deep strike defensively and, be wholly within six inches instead of nine inches or out of six inches instead of out of nine inches, which is, can be a big deal. And then of course you can use this aggressively. You can have a large uh, Ravenwing command squad or Ravenwing. I, I forgot what they're called. Dark Knights, Black Knights, uh, Deathwing Knights or Black or Black Knights of the Bikers. Knights. Yeah. Like you can have a large Black Knights unit, move up the board. You can double move them. If you go first, so you can go 12 and then 12, have them charge. Well, you, something, no, you, you go something. 12 and then 20. Oh, 12 and then 20. Excuse me. Have them charge and wrap something, and then next turn of the Deathwing come in and clean it up. Uh, with combined with the extra range that you get, the Deathwing can reach out and shoot units that normally you would be able to screen them out of with their rapid fire. Yeah, weapons. with 15 inch rapid fire range. Yeah. yeah. So, so and that is another strategy. So it's very good at attacking bubble wraps. Uh, I really, really like this stratagem. It's, yeah. it's an army. It's a strategy you build an army around easily. And it goes to the fluff, which they've been doing a really good job of. And of course. 
This is just a, a sample. You can assume that there's going to be all kinds of other Ravenwing and Deathwing fun stuff and all kinds of other goodies. So if you're underwhelmed right now, which I think there's a lot to be excited about, maybe your super, your super doctor and maybe is leaving a little bit. It's good, but it's not, you know, Iron Hands. Uh, hang in there and wait to see what else you get because I think there's a lot of really, really strong combos to get excited about. Yeah, the the griping I heard is is I don't think was warranted. I think they've got some cool stuff, and and if you were expecting Imperial Fist and Iron Hands, shame on you. We don't need another no of uh, one of those. <laughs> like two is plenty. Although I will say, compared to the Thousand Suns and the Grey Knights, the Dark Angels previews are weaker. I'm not saying that the their faction is weaker, just that the the rules previewed the Dark Angels ones are a little weaker. Um, especially if you compare them to the Grey Knights, which I think. Oh yeah, showed some some amazing stuff. With the, especially with the aggressive points drops, they are going to be a, a thing. Yeah, like it's unfortunate that um, it didn't make it for the LVO, but you know if you're a Grey Knight player and you've been, you know you didn't you didn't jump the bandwagon over to uh, some other you know shiny shiny new army and you've been you've been hanging in there, your 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 endurance is about to uh, bear fruit. Yeah. So. Uh, let's take uh, move on. That's all exciting stuff. Can't wait for that. But uh, obviously, the 500-pound uh, gorilla in the corner of the room is the Las Vegas Open 2020, and we're very, very excited. Also working or n- very hard. Uh, I was about to say something that would have been a good six six niner, but I, <laughs> I cut myself off. Oh. Um, we're almost there. So we talked about it last week, but we want to give out another couple PSAs. Uh, you know say it long and loud, make sure everyone's aware of what's going on. Um, if you're playing in the 40K champs or the Age of Sigmar champs or the 40K friendly, your lists are due. They were due on the 13th, uh, which as of this recording was two days ago. And you, if you didn't get in on time correctly, you already got a yellow card. Um, if you don't have it in on time correctly by the 16th, which is Thursday midnight Pacific Standard Time, that is tomorrow as of the time that we are recording this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, it's like less than 24 hours away. Yep. You are going to get a second yellow card, right? You're going to come into the event with a one strike and you're out scenario. You don't want that to happen. Like we were saying, don't want to wait to the last minute. A lot of people did. A lot of people waited to the last minute. Um, we were only, ha- we weren't even halfway uh, for lists uploaded on the beginning of the day of the deadline. There was only 400 lists uploaded on the oh. beginning of the day on the deadline. I was like, I, I have remember. no, I was like, I have no pity. I have no pity. All of a sudden people are like, oh, uh, I'm not in BCP. I'm like, you should have not waited till the last day. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, I mean, but that BCP is just the way it is. roster has been up for a long time. Yeah. So it, it like, you know, we're, we're working to help everybody to, you know, get it taken care of. But um, I really don't feel that bad. You had, uh, the list you could have started submitting lists on the third, ten days, and we've been saying it this whole time. So uh, my lack of pity aside, make sure you get it done because otherwise you're coming into the event with two yellow cards. You that's not good. You're on thin ice. Yeah, and also remember, uh, the judges are are. I'm not saying that they're going to be harsher, uh, but there there are going to be more yellow cards given out i think this year than there were last year last year we just rolled out the code, uh, of, conduct. The code of conduct um yellow cards are still kind of being a thing and this year in particular we've seen a real renaissance uh in judging 40k 
about yellow cards. You know, we had Stephen Box's video that came out um, in September about his opponent at the LGT, uh, and that kind of raised a big yellow card, red card awareness deal. On top of that, uh, we had the ETC happen. We had a lot of people, just a lot of yellow card discussion in theory, and our judges this year are more prepared than they were last year. They, they're seasoned. They know what gets you a yellow card and what doesn't, and they'll give it to you unapologetically because they know that even small procedural stuff means a yellow card now. So you could be a nice guy. You could try your best to, you know, play perfectly. But even the best players can get yellow carded on simple little procedural things, um, which I think is the right move for the future of competitive 40k. Uh, so basically what I'm saying is if you think you're safe with two yellow cards, don't take that chance. No, you absolutely do not want to be on the very short list of people that have been ejected from the, the LVO right now. It's only one. Um, but you know, don't think that that means the judges are hesitant to do it. They're not. It's just, we had the one incident, uh, where the, the guy told the judges to go F themselves. And they said, no, you, you can do that in your hotel room. Cause you're no longer playing in this event. Mm. Um, so yeah, make sure to get your list in again. That is the 16th of January, at by midnight Pacific Standard Time, 2020, get your list in correctly. It's not enough to submit it. It has to be um, able to be read by the script and in, uh, good to go. If you acquire a ticket somehow, some way, that shouldn't be possible at this stage, but if you somehow do, um, between now and when we roll dice, you have 24 hours to get your list uploaded before you get penalized. Um, if you're someone that's going to show up to the event, take your chances, try and buy a ticket the day of, uh, you need to get your, you need to get your list uploaded by the end of round one, or you will be ejected from the event. Right. At that, at that point, um, you know, it could be as simple as taking a picture of it. Um, we can work with that, but it's, it is on you. It is incumbent upon you to follow the rules. Um, Age of Sigmar, same deal. Make sure you get them in. Although to be fair, to me, what was good, of all the lists that went in, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, there was only 14 that didn't, um, that got kicked out. Oh, that's good. Compared yeah. to last year where we had like 200. Oh, you were talking about for the 40k chance. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's for actually the, really cool. Yeah. And with AOS, you just use War Scroll Builder <clears throat> and it's, you know, it's, you can't mess it up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, you know, be aware of that. Be, it is your responsibility to write a legal list and get it in on, in the right format on time. Uh, it's not our responsibility. I love when people email me their list. They're like, oh, here it is. I'm like, I'm not doing anything with this, man. <laughs> That's your responsibility. You have to do it. Um, okay. So then also, if you haven't gotten your con badge, uh, please do. I know a lot of people put it off because they're trying to, I don't know, save a couple bucks or whatever. But you're making your life harder. Buy it ahead of time. Otherwise, you get to wait in a really long line to buy a con badge at the event. Yes, you have to have a con badge at the event. Yes, your wife has to, or a girlfriend, or significant other, or buddy, or, or mom, or dad. You you have to have a combat to come into the event. You can't just walk in and check it out. Yeah, and it is a convention too. So so those people, you might be wondering, my significant other might isn't might not be interested in stuff like this. We have a large vendor hall uh, with a lot of general nerdery things, not just forty k related. Uh, we have multiple events. It, it's it's a convention. It's it's not just a a forty k tournament. Uh, yeah. And for so, people who are not used to going to cons, that that's new, right? Like they're used to coming to a tournament where it's basically just like show up and play. But no, uh, you, you can't just walk in. It's like going to a baseball game or a concert or a convention, obviously. Um, 
typically speaking, you have to have a ticket to walk through the door. So that's just the way it works. Um, so be aware of that and make sure you get your badge because otherwise you're going to be waiting in line with hundreds of people that all procrastinated like you. And then you get to wait to buy your ticket. It takes a long time. Make your life easy. Go online, put it in the web cart, purchase it, and then you can pick it up at Reg. And it's vastly quicker yes. to do it that way. Um, and yes, you have to have a comm badge even if you bought a ticket to a tournament. A ticket to a tournament does not get you into the general admission. The other one that always throws me for a loop, and all we, every single year people get caught off guard, the high roller package does not come with a 40K champs ticket. <laughs> Nowhere on it does it say it does. It comes with no event admission tickets. Yeah, but the high roller package is still amazing and it's worth getting baller. but it's basically a super con badge it's not, a super registration package yeah not a not a, a event because and i had someone ask me this and um, it was a really good question and i had to think about it uh, but the reason why is because if you buy a high roller package there's a lot of people who don't it's who obvious want a 40k champ <laughs> yeah. like, like there, it, there's more than just the 40k champs in the event and it's to be fair it's mostly people complaining about the 40k champs who bought the high roller package um, we every year we have people who are like Hey, I'm not on the BCP roster. I'm like, did you buy a 40K champs ticket? They're like, no, I got the high roller package. I'm like, you have no event tickets. You can't play in any single event except the demo zone at the Las Vegas Open. They're like, what? I'm like, did you read what you bought? <laughs> it's yeah. very, very explicit what it comes with. It's just, it's just, it's interesting to me that people make that assumption. I'm like, what if you wanted a high roller package and you wanted to play War Machine or Infinity yeah, or Star Wars Legion or Age of Sigmar? Chance. Like, come yeah. on. I mean, it's, a, it's obviously a common mistake, but it's like, um, you know, every year we have like four or five people who make that error. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so yeah, be aware of that, right? Like you're, you're the only packages that come with an event tickets that's usually in the title. Like the 40k champions package comes with a 40k champs ticket, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So just, yeah, I'll be aware of that. You don't want to show up and not actually have a ticket. Uh, remember there are no outside food or beverages in the event halls. That is not our policy. That is the hotel policy. And that means, I know it's, it's confusing. It's counterintuitive, but if you go buy food in the food court, you cannot bring it into the con uh, area. If you buy a beer, at a bar outside of the con area in the, in the casino floor, you can't bring it in. I know it's confusing. It doesn't make sense. It's weird. But essentially, it's basically two different businesses within one. The convention hall, the convention area, they have their own staff. They have their own rules. They have to you know hit their own quotas with revenue and all this other stuff. Um, and so it's, it's even though it's confusing to the consumer, that, that's why that is the way it is. You have to buy it in the con area you can take it out but you can't take stuff from outside in yeah yeah you don't want your drink to be a part of the drink graveyard at the front of the con yeah i know it's a dumb rule you know for the consumer it, it, it is it, it's silly but we understand why they do it the way they do from a business perspective but be aware of that there's gonna be a security guard there stopping you from bringing in you know sodas and stuff just yeah be aware of that. Yeah, um, and, and it also applies to, uh, like, if you were in the Skyview area, it applies to all parts of the LVO. Or the Las Vegas the main, ballroom. Yeah, the Las Vegas yeah. ballroom. Uh, so it applies to all of those. Uh, if you the rhino sees your food, he will tackle your food. Not you, because that's, that's illegal. But he will tackle your food, consume it as quickly as he can. So do not get your food eaten by the rhino. Yeah, and then again, we will uh, we potentially get fined if people do this too. So. Yeah. 
they, that's that's why we reiterate this so long, long and loudly is that we're the ones who are on the hook um, potentially with this. So do us a solid. Uh, also, the early registration is from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday, January 23rd, uh, 2020 in the Grand Ballroom. The Grand Ballroom is not the 40K hall. It's the, the other hall adjacent to it. Uh, for those of you who have been there before, you know where to go. Um, and we hyper stress that you want to early, you want to register early. If you show up the day of 20 minutes before you're supposed to be rolling dice and you need to check in, you're probably going to be late to your event. Uh, come and register early, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. in the Grand Ballroom uh, Jan- on Thursday. You want to come in and, and, and get that knocked out. It is a long line. It goes pretty quick. But um, just get it over with. Get your badge, get your goodies, and you don't have to sweat it. The Games Workshop Hobby Seminar, which is extremely popular, and we expanded it to hold more people because last year it was a standing room only. Uh, That is at 8 p.m., and that is in the Palace Rooms. That's directly across from registration, and, and we'll put all this up on the site so that you know where to go. And that's, again, 8 p.m., on Thursday, so that's during early reg. That means if you want to early reg and go to the Games Workshop Hobby Seminar where they reveal all kinds of cool stuff, you want to make sure that you're early to the early registration. Yes. <laughs> yeah, people start lining up. I mean, people start crowding at around 3 o'clock. Uh, we obviously, we have volunteers, and, and everyone's really busy. Um, so if you have someone who's been in the LV before, latch on to them if you've never been. Uh, but yeah, people start showing up, playing, trying to play practice games, talking, hanging out at like three or four o'clock, and then start lining up around that time too. So uh, be very, very uh, early. Yeah, um, yeah. You just want to knock it out. And the thing is too, if you don't care about the GW Hobby Seminar, a really good time to go get in registration is when that starts because everyone leaves. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you can sneak in at the buzzer and get it done. Um, so that's some good good information to have. Again, get those lists in. We do not want to double yellow card you. And uh, if you want to play a pickup game to warm up before the event, you can do so. Just make sure that um, you put the terrain back and be aware that we shut the halls down at 9 p.m. So if you're still playing the game, too bad, so sad. We kick everybody out at 9 p.m. out of the halls, um, and then you can't come back in until the next day. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the ITC. Here we are, buzzer beater. If you have an event going down uh, (laughs) this last weekend or this coming weekend, which is the literal end of the road, you have have to get your results in by Monday, uh, I think by midnight Eastern time, uh, uh, for the BCP guys to count it for the season. So... If you're a TO or if you're going to one of these events, be Johnny on the spot. You got to get it in quick so that the guys have time to, to put it into the rankings. Um, but basically, the rankings we're going to talk about now are, are kind of what they're going to be going into the event. Um, and of course, if you like the ITC, you like what it's about, you think it's approved your hobby, you want to see it to continue to grow and thrive and get better, consider supporting it financially through the ITC Patreon. You can do so for as little as $1 a month. And all of the money goes back into the ITC. It's very expensive to run it. Like, I, like we've always said, it costs many tens of thousands of dollars to run it. And that, does, that doesn't even begin to approach the man hours that go into making it happen. It's a, it's a, it's a big administrative task at this point. It's global. Uh, we have events all over the world now. It's really cool. And anybody that has supported us 
financially. We really appreciate it. It goes to cover server fees, paying for the trophies, and offsetting those man hours that go into making it run. Not a lot of events this weekend, unsurprisingly, but uh, quite a few. Uh, a lot of international events, a lot of them in the UK, Norway, and Santa Clarita, California. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we've got some AOS events coming up in the rest of the uh, rest of the month. AOS major coming up. It's the LVO. Oh, yeah, that's the LVO. That's funny that it's on the... Yeah. So it's it, like, it, the, yeah, because AOS, because there's less events, we usually do a longer period of time. Mm, on I the see. show for 40k because there's so many we go week by week for aos you usually go month by month when we oh. talk about them um and it, it's cool that the aos uh lvo event uh, broke 200 we're, we're like 210 or something like that so now of course that doesn't mean there'll be that many show up to roll dice um you know we usually have for for the lvo we've usually seen 10 to 20 percent attrition for bigger events um, but that puts it right up there with the biggest events in the world. Um, there's not that many events that are actually over. I think there's like one, maybe two events in the world that are over 200 rolling dice. Yeah. Um, this puts us as one of the biggest events in the United States, and that's really exciting. Because we also have a narrative event this year that runs concurrently with the um, competitive event. So all in, we have like 250, 40 AOS players coming. It's very exciting. Can't wait to see that. Um, let's take a look at the current ITC rankings. So there it is. We finally got uh, Richard Siegler's uh, event that he won. I, I guess the holdup was not the their administrative staff. The holdup was BCP because the way that that event was run with all the bracketing, uh, they had to go in and manually get it into the system. It was very complicated. It was very complex. Yeah. It was something that had not been done before. And that, and that is exactly why BCP wasn't equipped to directly upload the results. So the guys had to go in and kind of like customize it a little bit. But here we are. Uh, Richard Siegler uh, is in first place. Jim Vessel has been dethroned. And by 15 points, it's actually a significant lead. So Richard Siegler, the Tau drone commander himself, is in pole position coming in to the big show at the LVO. It is his to lose. Yeah. Now, now if either of these players, if both of these players make the top eight, um, it will be whoever places higher. And we could, if we see Jim Vessel and Richard Ziegler in the finals, that'd be exciting. It'll be, uh, uh, win it and you win the whole thing yep. deal situation, kind of like last year as well. It, the, there's only been, I think, one, maybe two LVOs where that wasn't the case, where the person who won it wasn't going to take everything. Like Brett Perkins won without winning the, the yeah, that was ITC. Yeah, Matt, Matt Root won. And Matt Root won. In semifinals, won. he lost to – or he, he beat – he lost to – he beat Sean Naden and then lost to uh, uh, Brett Perkins in the semifinals. And then Brett year. beat Brandon Grant yes. to win the whole thing. Yeah. And Matt Root still won the ITC. And I think that is, if I remember correctly, that's the only year that's happened. Yeah. Um because uh, Paul McKelvey no, won it the first Jabba year. Pence didn't, when he won the ITC, he didn't make the finals because it was Nick Rose and uh, You're right. Naden. You're right. Played. Because Pajama Pants that year had like we that was the most dominating lead we've ever. He was like 200 points. Yeah, ahead yeah. of the next he, person. Yeah, he he worked out. He worked real hard for that. Yeah, and then uh, Paul won it the first year, but he did not win it. So yeah, actually, no, that year, it's about 50-50 actually. That uh, it's been winner take all. As the LVO has gotten bigger, it's been more and more winner take all. Well, one thing I, I have uh, that is kind of cool is Brandon Grant and Alex Harrison are the two players. Uh, actually, last year when they played in the finals, they were the two players who'd 
only ever repeated going to an LVO finals because uh, Brandon had um, won or had lost to Brett Perkins the previous year, and then before that, Alex Harrison had lost to. Uh, um, Alex, no, Alex hadn't made it. Didn't he make? No, because the year before it was Grappondo versus Nanavati. Well, he won with the Warp Spiders, or he did he win or? No, he did not. Alex Harrison showed up. No, he no, he did. Alex did. Alex did yeah, win the LVO that totally. year. Totally, yeah. You're right. You're right. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So Brandon and Alex were the, previously the only two people who'd been uh, to the LVO uh, finals, and then they played each other last year. Yeah. No, you're very right. Yeah, yeah it's exciting. That's and as more as we have more LVOs, we're gonna we're gonna pull up more stats like this. Um, and I think it's really cool. Yeah. So it's gonna be exciting. I don't know how we're gonna top the drama of last year. Gosh, that was exciting. Oh. Well. Um, but I hope we do. That was a wonderful way to wrap everything up. But um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, in third place, the uh, I'm Still Relevant Nick Rose is kicking some butt. Nick Nanavati in fourth and John Lennon in fifth. Very exciting. Uh, hobby track, Jim Vessel, uh, Mr. Hedged His Bets, sitting pretty in first place with a pretty significant lead over Carl Payne, who is in second. Lou Rollins in third. David Kochka in fourth and Paul Winters in fifth. Well done to them. Uh, Ages Sigmar current top five. The French overlord Jeremy Vessier continues to lead the pack. His lead pretty significant. He is in a very good position. James O'Brien is in second. Alex Gonzalez in third, and Anthony Lawrence in fourth. Finally, we got Joe Cryer in fifth, and I believe all of them are coming to the event. So it's going to be very exciting. Right on. Uh, Hobby Track AOS Derek Page leads the pack, followed by Rich Waters, Michael Fox, Michael Fox <laughs> in third. <laughs> Uh, Mike is an extremely good uh, hobbyist. Yeah. He's really good. He was gone for a while. He had a baby. Yeah. Glad to see him back. And he switched over to AOS, which, uh, knowing him well, he's a buddy of mine. I think it's a good fit for him. Oh, his, his armies are gorgeous. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, but Michael Fox had a also giant orc pirate battleship display board like four years ago at the BAO. He, he was always top three hobbyist 40K when he was playing 40K. Yes. Uh, we got Jeremy Vessier in fourth and Matt Beasley in fifth. All right, Shadespire, or Warhammer Underworld's current top five. <laughs> Ivan Cho in first place, followed by Jonathan Coulson, Tony Field in third, Matthew Martin in fourth, Daniel Velasquez in fifth. And again, as we've been saying, this is going to be very exciting because there are three different events at the LVO and there's over 50 people coming for Warhammer Underworlds. So the, the rankings are going to get exploded. It's going to be really fun. Uh, Kill Team, current top five. Alex, or I'm sorry, Michael T. Holy sitting pretty in first place with a significant lead. He's in a good spot. Alex Torbert in second. Janice Gilhelm in third. Alex Squires in fourth. George Rollins in fifth. Uh, very exciting. Again, there are uh, four, I think, three or four different events at Kill Team, and we have over 50 people coming for the LVO for Kill Team. Yes, absolutely. Now, at the tail end of these rankings, if ITC player rankings and player performance are something that interests you, particularly if you're interested in 40K, I have a very special announcement. Uh, we are going to be rolling out the 40K Fantasy League rules. Uh, I've already got a template lined up. Uh, and if you're, if you're unfamiliar with how fantasy sports works, essentially uh, players in a league uh, draft or select a virtual team of players. Uh, in this case, you would be drafting from the 40K ITC rankings. And you compete against each other based off of how those players perform. So if uh, I had Brandon Grant, Nick Donavati, and Sean Naden on my team going into the Las Vegas Open, I would have a pretty good shot of uh, doing well and outscoring the rest of my opponents in the Fantasy League. 
and that is a hypothetical. Uh, it's very, very fun. Uh, we did one last year for the Las Vegas Open. I actually did two last year for the Las Vegas Open particularly. They were a lot of fun. Uh, and then since then, I've been kind of, uh, when I can, working on it, hammering out logistics, figuring out how it can be done. And so I'm ready to roll out two leagues uh, this year, and I'm going to be participating in three uh, to be the commissioner of two. Um, I'm going to be, both of them are just going to be for the Las Vegas Open, which they're going to be kind of like the trial run. However, if it goes really well, uh, we will have a template for the entire ITC format for you to uh, use and draft with your friends. And then you can track, you know, the entire ITC season and at the end of the year uh, draft for the LVO or, or track for the LVO. And it should be a lot of fun. Pablo, are you telling me I can play fantasy football 40K ITC? Yes. And AOS? Uh, not AOS. We we have not done one for AOS yet, but okay, it would be pretty easy to be do. Yeah, it could be. It, all you really need is the template, uh, a group of people to get together, and a ranking system of some sort. And the ranking system is important uh, for when you know because you, we don't have not all these people are household names. Uh, I although I think now if you were to look in the top fifty, I think the average competitive 40k follower would be able to pick out or recognize like 20 names which is really all you need uh for a fantasy league or fantasy sports but you do need a ranking system of some kind uh it can be uh, done you know like via the itc or the commissioner can put out uh, their own personal ranking system or whatever uh and that helps people draft and pick their players as well so it's really cool uh and for aos i could i can imagine you doing it easily uh and then uh, yeah, so yes, Reese, to answer your question, you will totally be able to do it for 40K and AOS for sure. Uh, for this year, I'm the ones I'm going to be running are for the Las Vegas Open, like I said, but specifically just for 40K. Uh, we're going to have one uh, chapter tactics one, and that's just going to be focused around the chapter tactics co-hosts and my patrons. So if you're interested in that, sign up on patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Also, we'll have one mega all-star one uh, where I've got 12 community leaders all people from you know i've got nick Nanavati from out of war i've got you on it i've got mr steven box we're going to get uh kenny boucher on it he's he's been invited and he did express interest last year as well and then we've got d val heffelfinger the falcon uh, myself mr scary from scarcast 669 uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh tfg radios adam solis uh and I can't remember the rest of the people. Colin Ward from Best in Faction was invited. Uh, but basically, it, it's 12, 12 community leaders, uh, people who know, you know, know who's who's who, know the top competitive players. Um, some people are even competing in the LVO, so it'd be funny to see if anyone drafts themselves. I was just going to ask that. Can I draft myself? You can absolutely draft yourself, Reese. You would get zero points for yourself because you're not competing. Yeah. However, you totally can draft yourself. Any person is technically able to be drafted you could draft mickey mouse reese robbins and nice. donald duck on your team if you nice. really want uh but yeah it should be a lot of fun and if you're interested in that you can always email me frontline gaming at gmail.com i'll be rolling out a format uh, i've already got templates so if you're interested to run one for the lvo i can send you that and uh come the lvo and come after the lvo we'll look for a lot of exciting announcements around that yeah, I think fantasy football 40K is going to be extremely popular. It's just obviously it's a good idea. We wanted to do it last year, but we didn't really have the time. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to get very excited about it. It's going to be super duper fun. It's going to make it, the ITC even more interactive and enjoyable. 
It's gonna be make watching your favorite players all that much more more fun. And I'm gonna I'm gonna end it with a pro tip. Mm. Do not draft myself or Frankie. <laughs> not that a lot of people were debating it, but don't draft us because we will be uh, basically the John Maddens of the season, more or less, as we will be shoutcasting all of the pretty much all of the super majors. It sounds like we might even be helping out with the LGT. So. Wah, wah, wah. We won't get any points, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, and the other cool thing about the season-wide one, uh, because there are, obviously there are going to be a lot of people, you don't you know, we don't have a professional league, so we can't force people to play, that, you know, there'll be people who take off-season stuff. However, if, you, if you've been following the ITC the last couple of years, there are definitely people who, who are always safe uh, to compete, or at least to always put up points. And also, there's methods in place to uh basically help out like for example let's say matt root quits 40k for whatever reason right but you haven't drafted on your team uh there's free agents you can there's like waiver wire rules that i'm making uh there's rules in place to protect you and and your team when you draft it as well uh so if you've got money on the line not that we're condoning gambling however uh one tradition for fantasy leagues is everyone puts down some money and then at the end of the season uh the person who wins wins all the money or it's split between first and second or some sort of deal like that uh so if you've got something on the line whether it's bragging rights or money uh, there is going to be rules in place to protect your draft and your team uh so don't worry it's it's really meant to be more fun uh and you're really when you're drafting the team you're really looking for people who are just going to be competing uh playing five itc games and putting up five itc scores so i would actually draft you or frankie as like a round eight flyer pick <laughs> uh hoping that you put up three itc scores throughout the season maybe like a broadside bash or something uh, equivalent and did then- you did you know i won that yeah, I did. I heard. I heard. That was a whole. That was last year. It was irrelevant now. <laughs> I gotta win another one. Uh, so if yeah, if you're if you're um, people like Reese and Frankie who are in the community but maybe necessarily won't be competing for the crown, you can still draft them as like late round flyer picks uh, because they are good for scoring a couple points or a couple events a year. And if Reese or Frankie top eight or top four, a larger uh, major that can actually put them into like the top 500, which is actually a pretty good points for a round eight super flyer pick. I don't know what a super flyer is, but I like to be one. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. We hope you enjoyed episode six, six, nine of Signals from the Frontline. Can't wait to see you all at the LVO. I'm going to look myself up on the rankings here because <laughs> I'm just curious. If I'm in the top 500, I, I better be higher top, than that. I think you're in the top 100, probably. You're you're up there. I don't think I'm in the top 100 anymore. But we're going to check, because I think that's going to be fun. I want to see who, which of us, is ranked higher, Pablo. Uh, definitely you. <laughs> oh, maybe, I don't even think I'm in the maybe top Maybe I should take over Chapter Tactics. Yeah, you absolutely should. Uh, let's see. Where am I? There's 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 one person who's named Reese, and then there's a person whose last name is Reese. Boom, Reese. Corey Reese is 12,000. Get out of here, Corey Reese. 12,000? <laughs> 12,000th place, Jiminy. which is pretty good considering there's... Oh my gosh, this is going so slow. Where am I at? You are, you're, you're going the opposite direction. You're starting from the bottom up. How many... Oh my goodness, how many people do we have in the ITC this year? A lot. Holies, free holies. You're, you're up. Wow. You've completed at least Dude, 
13,000 active participants. 13,300 active participants. That's a lot. We had 10 last year. That's yeah. 30% growth. That's that's crazy. That is bananas. All right, I got to be the number one Reese at least, right? Oh, I think you are. Right. I, I looked you and Frankie up uh, like about a month ago. All right. God, we're in the 7,000s? Okay, I got to be better than that. All right. Yeah, if you look at, if you go, and a lot of the rankings, um, a lot of the people sub 1,000 are, don't even have five games played, right? Yeah. So. All right, here we go. That's got to be me right here, right? Let's see. Yeah, there's arrows, Reese. This is like watching. Have you ever seen? You know, have you ever how do you your, work your this, this doohickey? <laughs> have you ever helped your parents with? Uh, there you are. Boom. 115th place. So that was close. That's pretty good, I actually. You were in the top 100. That's, but, that's pretty good. But you're actually surrounded by uh, uh, Danny McDevitt. Uh, who's was a really good player. Um, also, Cooper Waddell. Cooper, <laughs> I'm above Owen. Oh, I, I'm so glad that we're rambling on here at the end. You got it. If you haven't done the LVO pub crawl led by the one and only Coop Juice Waddell. Do yourself a favor and do it because it is an absolute riot. It's a tradition. It's an infamous tradition. A lot of fun, and it amuses me greatly that I'm above pa- uh, Cooper in the rankings. Let's see where Pablo. Hmm. I'm not even showing up. I deleted myself. I wanted to see how much higher I am than Pablo. <laughs> I'm not even showing up. That's how good I am. It's just it's thinking. Pablo Martinez, 620, 625. Yeah, that's painful, top, Pablo. That's pretty. That's, that's pretty. I, so you need to fight. You need to listen to chapter tactics more often. <laughs> Golly, <laughs> you need to get situational awareness at all levels of the game. No, that's true. <laughs> you're at least top. You're at least top. Uh, what is that? Five uh, percent. I didn't do a lot of majors this year, though. I did. I did do a lot of traveling for GTs. Ooh, I'm better than Frankie. Yeah, Frankie's in the the top. One eighty seven. He's above Sean Morgan. He's right above one place above Sean Morgan. <laughs> oh, he's below Diogo though. <laughs> Shame. Shame. But, but the, yeah, the, the rankings are so much fun. Uh, I did pretty good this season, yeah. actually. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> if you're if you're uh, there's so many ways to draft uh, fantasy rankings. It's just it's a lot of fun. You can do regional only um so you can only do if you want you can just do five events the five regional events that you and your buddies attend and draft people that go to those events uh you can you can do a full-on itc seasons you can do one single event so if you're you and your buddies are really hyped around the adepticon and you want to do one for the adepticon it's just the possibilities are endless it, it's just an absolute blast uh it's another way to enjoy the competitive aspect of 40k with your buddies uh without too much effort you just have to get together for an evening, not even an evening. You can get have a barbecue, have a party, day. have a barbecue. If you want to draft live, which I think is the most fun. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's so, so easy. And uh, anyone who's interested in it, reach out to me for tips. I, I promise you I've got, there's ways to do it. If you're, if you're feeling like maybe it can't be done or if you're skeptical, but it interests you. Indeed. All right. Well, thanks for putting that together, buddy. I'm sure that's going to be a lot of fun and add a lot to the ITC as it continues to grow and become more cool and fun. And now we're actually done with the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 669. (laughs) And we can't wait to see you all at the Las Vegas Open. Obviously, we will not be recording uh, the podcast next week because Wednesday is we're going to be loading up the trucks and all that stuff. Again, if you're a local to the Las Vegas area and you want to help out in exchange for possibly a free ticket to the Las Vegas Open 2021, uh, please email contact at frontlinegaming.org and we can get that lined up. Until then, we will see you all at the big show. 